I am the nerd in my family, and I am not ashamed to admit it. That's right. If we were an AA, I would go, hi, I'm Max, and I'm a nerd. Some of you are the nerds in your family, in your marriage, and you're afraid to admit it. You're ashamed to admit it. And here's how you know. Dave Ramsey tells you, you know you're the nerd when you keep the finances in Quicken and you have a backup in Excel and you won't let your spouse in it because if you do, they will mess it up. If that's you, I got news for you. You're the nerd. Okay? That's how it works. But I don't care. I don't care. I embrace my nerdness and I'm okay with it. In fact, my nerdiness has produced one very important skill. It's a life skill and it's a really cool skill. I am a voracious researcher. I do. I research and learn about anything and everything, and I'm really good at mapping out all the possibilities, all the possible options, and telling you this one, this option right here, this is the best option, and here's why. I'm really good at that. I've done it with cars. When, I, when we, Jenny and I bought our first car, I researched. I, want some, I wanted something that was, had really good fuel economy, but that had four doors. I really wanted it to be American, which, was, trust me, in 1993, that was really limiting, okay? <laughs> and I researched and researched, and I, we purchased our first car, and it was a Saturn SL2. And I could tell you where it was manufactured, the kind of engine. You wanted the twin cam, not the other kind. Now, Saturns manufactured after 99 are pieces of junk, in my opinion, Okay, but the ones before then were really good cars. They were really awesome. In fact, that Saturn is still on the road today. <laughs> See, I've done it with windows. I researched the best kind of windows to have. I've done it with coffee makers. I can tell you, you want this. In fact, there's a Hamilton Beach brew station, and they have imitations. You don't want the imitations that are $59. The cheapest you can find it is $99, but you know what? You want model number like 57804, okay? And it's got to be that model number. If it's not that model number, it, it does not bear the consumer reports. Oh, nirvana of coffee, okay? I lend out this skill, by the way. Isaiah is always calling me. You think Isaiah presents himself well, I know, but he calls me when he's going to make a purchase. Oh, yes, Max, so like my lawnmower died. I'm like, really? Really? And I know what he's asking. You know, he has that pregnant pause in there, and he's like, so what do you know about lawnmowers? And he knows. If I don't know anything about lawnmowers, as soon as we hang up, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> if I don't have appointments, I'm going to be online. I'm going to be learning all about lawnmowers. And I'm going to tell him, you know what? You want the lawn boy, and you want the motor that's manufactured in South Korea. They don't sell them at Home Depot. You have to go to Lowe's, okay? And I will tell him this, and he will go, thank you, Max. I'll give a 10-minute presentation on lawnmowers. He loves it, and he calls me. You ask him next week. It's true, okay? I have applied this same nerd skill to my faith. I'm one of those guys. I've actually jiggled the doors. I've read all I can about Islam. I've read good chunks of the Quran. I've explored, like, the Buddhism stuff. I've read all about Mormonism. Trust me, I can tell you Joseph Smith like nobody. I've looked at all the options. I've even read the people who are, like... Who, who insist God is a figment of our imagination. He's a crutch we use to cope through life. Really, the only thing that's true about the universe, it's cold, blind, dark randomness. <laughs> the big spokesman for that is a guy named Richard Dawkins. I read his last book, The God Delusion, and I was like, Richard, convince me. He didn't. <laughs> but dadgummit, he's really mad at God, I can tell you that. <laughs> okay? 
I, and so I can tell you, I've researched these things. This skill has come in handy. This skill has come in handy, and it's helped me when I've been in difficult circumstances, when things haven't turned out the way I have wanted them to, when things have not turned out the way I had hoped they would turn out. Because sometimes life works that way, doesn't it? Sometimes it, life takes a left turn. Sometimes the illness is terminal. Sometimes the job doesn't come through. Sometimes the school that you absolutely have to get into, it has to be this school, they say no. And not only do they say no, they say not this year, not next year, not ever. Please don't reapply. Sometimes your spouse walks out and they don't come back. It happens. And these are heartbreaking things. These are. These can be very crushing things. And they can really cause you to have some God struggles and faith struggles. So how do you handle life when life throws you a curveball, how do you handle it when things don't turn out the way you want them to or when they don't turn out the way you had hoped? For me, it's actually been helpful to deploy this nerd skill because for me, biblical Christianity is the best option out there. It's the best thing I know that helps me get through the end of the day. None of the other options give me any glimmer of the kind of hope that biblical Christianity does. And so... This sermon today is a very personal one, and it's a very pastoral one for our church. And God gave me this sermon, literally, I'm preaching from the notes I took on the shore of the lake. It's rare that I do a sermon this way, it just, boom, ran out, and and I felt like God gave it to me. And last night, I was really struggling, because we're supposed to watch the gospel series, and I'm, you know, I follow the plan. I never deviate from the plan, okay? And I was just struggling, struggling. Finally, God spoke to me through the vessel of my wife. What are you wrestling with that sermon for? This is what you ought to preach. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. <laughs> she didn't sound that mean, although maybe she might have. Okay? So, and, and, and you guys have. A number of you have come, um, come, come to me over the past many weeks, and you've said, you know, God giving your dad cancer like that, that wasn't really fair, and that really wasn't right. And God's kind of, I'm mad at God. And, and he's not even my dad or my grandpa. And, and a number of you have said that. And uncle, you're right. It's not fair. It really isn't. In fact, if you and I were throwing the switches, you know who ought to get pancreatic cancer? Muammar Gaddafi. Come on, he's killing his own people. He's got snipers on the rooftop to shoot doctors and nurses leaving a hospital. If ever there was somebody crying out, God, please give me cancer, it's Muammar, Okay. And if you and I were throwing the levers, that's what we do, but it didn't play out that way. It didn't pan out that way. And so before things get out of hand, I want to narrow it down a little bit of what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I want to kind of set three options side by side, and I want to look through the life of Joseph and ask, which is the best option? Option number one, of course, is biblical Christianity. Option number two today will be the camp that says, you know what? God's not real. Figment of your imagination. It's just a crutch. It's just blind randomness. You live, you breathe, you die, that's it. Thank you. Option number three, well, sure, there's some kind of being up there, goddess, I don't know, you know, but he he or she's busy, they can't get back to you right now, please hang up and try your call again later. They're not really interested, they don't care, okay? So those are the kind of three options that I want to wade through today, and I want to do that by looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, Joseph is found in the book of Genesis, and I... It's funny, uh, this last series that we did, the Me uh, I Want to Be, or Me 2.0, I took the online assessment, and the biblical character it said I was most like is, guess who? Joseph. (laughs) 
So there must be some God things in here for me, I think. Joseph, his story begins in chapter 37. And if you're not familiar with Joseph, Joseph is the son of Jacob, and he's part of this big promise. God has made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to have so many kids. You look up, you see those stars up there? Yeah, I see the stars. You're going to have more kids and descendants than that. I'm going to bless you so much, you're going to be a blessing to everybody else on the planet, okay? Big, big God story stuff, big God providential history working its way out. And Jacob has a son, Joseph, and Joseph is his favorite. And Joseph has this dream, and it's in verse 5 of of chapter 37. We're going to be going a lot around today, so you can follow me if you want. Um, One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And then his brothers, of course, got angry. Joseph was about 17 when he had this dream. I've often wondered if Joseph was looking at the authority that God was telling him he was going to get from from a 17-year-old vantage point. Now that I'm 42, I get it. If I was young, when I was younger, when I saw positions of authority like a president or a governor or a, you know, the president of a college, I was caught I I was enamored with the idea of wow, they're the big person, they're the top dog. You know, and and I would imagine any 17-year-old contemplating the fact Wow, I might be king someday. How cool would that be to have someone before me? Bow low before the king on your knees, dog. You know, and then the, the, you know, the soldiers go along, the charioteers. Of course, now today it's you know, Air Force One. I mean, who doesn't want to fly in Air Force One? Come on. You never have a layover. There is no, there's no, we're going to have to circle the airport. No, 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 no. Air Force One, when it's ready to land all the other planes, you're going to have to wait now for like 20 extra minutes because the president's going to land. <laughs> off he goes. He takes off and lands wherever he wants. Um, and so I would ima- I've often wondered if 17-year-old Joseph, when he heard that, if he didn't focus on all the privileges and trappings of being the big dog rather than the responsibilities. But, but even so, God's made this promise. You're going you're gonna to be have a position of authority. And, and he's got these expectations now because of it. Well, the second half of this chapter tells us that Joseph's brothers are so angry, they, th- they throw him into a pit and then they sell him to Ishmaelite traders. They sell him into slavery. Can you imagine being Joseph for a moment? Okay, God's given you this dream. You're going to be in a position of authority. Now, when God gives you a vision or a dream about something... If you're like me, you kind of map out how that's going to play out. Well, gosh, okay, so it's going to go like this, and then I'm going to get into that school, and then I'll marry this person, and then we'll go take this road. And I wonder if Joseph did the same thing. And then being sold in slavery now, it's like, huh, how, like, uh, hmm, okay, slavery, governor's palace. I don't see that working, Lord. I mean, you know, come on. It's, it's, that's not how you get to a position of authority, and yet he's sold into slavery. And, and we're told in, in chapter 39, verse 2, uh, it says in the first part, Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And it has this important phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. And this is an important phrase in this story arc 
of Joseph because if you're looking at the story, if you're reading the story, it's very easy to conclude, whoa, God, you are totally raking this guy over the coals. That's not fair. You got to be kidding me. And that too? I mean, you just read the story and it's easy to conclude, oh, God's not with this guy. This guy's doomed. This guy's bearing the brunt of God's judgment. And so several times there's this very important phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. I know what it's like to get U-turns. When I was, I can't remember what age, 25, 27, I had been told by all my profs in my first graduate school and then in seminary, you need to go on, you need to go on, you need to get a PhD, you need to get a PhD, you need to get a PhD. And so I did a little tester thing. I wrote a paper and entered a contest just to see if I, you know, was smart enough or whatnot. And I actually beat out the guys from Princeton and Yale. Asbury dude did that, Uh uh-huh. But then I applied and guess what? School number one, you know what they said? No, thank you. Well, that's okay. There's two other schools, and one of the guys writing my recommendations was like Mark Knoll, the demigod of history writing, okay? And so, school number two, no, thank you. School number three, no, thank you. Bam! Oh, so like, I'm not going on, huh? So, I cleaned toilets for a year until I could, I could hear God's voice again. Okay, well, um, what, are we, what are we going to do next, Lord? You know, this plan that I thought included a PhD program... Um, And you know what? The Lord was with Max Vanderpool. All during that time, the Lord was with me, even though there were days and moments I didn't feel like it. Well, then the story arc goes on in chapter 40, and uh, uh, Joseph is not only... uh, 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 In Potiphar's house, he manages it so well... uh, He's put in charge of everything over Potiphar's house. But remember, Potiphar's wife wants him. And Joseph doesn't give in to temptation. He just runs out the door and he does the right thing. Yes, he honors God. And how is he rewarded? He's thrown in prison. Thank you, Jesus. You're not here yet, but you're to blame, I'm sure, okay? (laughs) And... I'm just telling you, that's how it plays out. Uh, chapter 39, verse, verse 20. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. And here's this important phrase again, verse 21. But, but the Lord was with Joseph. When Jenny, when Jenny got pregnant the first time with John Mark, it was like amazing. It was just an amazing pregnancy. It was an amazing experience. We were first-time parents. We were so excited. I did the nerd thing. I read as a man what to expect when you're expecting. Yes, I read that. I know I'm the one man in the United States of America who read the book, and I'm straight, okay? Um, but I read the... Hey, now. I read, so I was prepared for what the pregnancy was going to be, and we read and researched. How's the best way to feed the kid? How's the best way to raise the kid? What, what, what should you do? Because we we did, I didn't want to mess up as a parent as much as I, I wanted to be the good parent, right? Okay, so I read and researched, and, and it was such a great pregnancy. And so a few years later, we thought, well, let's do this again, only this time Jenny wasn't working. She was a stay-at-home mom, and we were fully expecting this to be a walk in the park, only Jenny got sick. I mean, she got really sick. Um, to this day, she'll tell you th- she thinks Jillian has some of the things that she has because Jillian was deprived of oxygen in the womb. I I think Jenny's out to lunch. I mean, how does that work? But I don't know. But I do know this. Jenny was uh, bedridden a lot. 
She was plagued with asthma that would literally, I mean, it's like she couldn't breathe. Uh, she was very, very sick. So sick that when, 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 when Jillian was born, I was done. I was done with two. I did not want to do that to my wife ever again. Um, and then God surprised us with a third, and that pregnancy was okay. But you know what? All during that pregnancy, even though there were days where it felt like God had up and left, God was with Max and Jenny Vanderpool. Every moment, all through that pregnancy, God was with us. He didn't up and leave. He didn't up and abandon us. Well, Joseph's story goes, goes on, and Joseph is in prison now, and the same thing happens. He's promoted. He becomes like the chief prisoner of all the prisoners. The, the jailer makes him like number two, okay, in command of everything. And as luck would have it, Pharaoh throws a couple of people from the palace into prison for a little while, his cupbearer and a baker. Can you imagine being Joseph, okay? You've been sold into slavery, transported God knows how far away from your home. You start over. You make a new life for yourself. Maybe God's going to be a part of this. And then in, in your utmost moment of faithfulness, you're thrown in prison for it. And there you rot. You start over again, and now you're the chief prisoner. And here's someone from the outside, who, who and, and, and they both have dreams. Joseph can interpret the dreams, and Joseph says something which I think is very compelling. After he interprets the dreams for the cupbearer and the baker, he says this, Please, please remember me. Please do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve this. Can you imagine the hope, the little door cracked open in that prison? Here's the cupbearer. And so word comes from the palace, and they're called out. Can you imagine being Joseph? This is my moment. God is finally going to come through for me. Finally, he's going to come through. And this is almost what I consider to be the cruel way the, the storyline meets out. And it's chapter 41. It says this, two full years later, Pharaoh had a dream, calls his people, and the cupbearer goes, oh, that's right, that dude in prison. Isn't that amazing? But the Lord was with Joseph. We know the rest of the story. He rises, he interprets the Pharaoh's dream. This is what Pharaoh says of him in chapter 41. Joseph's suggestions were so well received by Pharaoh and his officials, Pharaoh asked his officials this, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have rank higher than yours." And the dream he had when, 17, when he was 17 is finally fulfilled. Is it the path that Joseph expected? Not on your life. And I think that's the way God works. And it's the way life works. Um, so I have some questions that I want to ask in light of Joseph. Okay, here's my first question. When life throws you a curveball, when things don't work out the way you want them to or the way you hoped they would work out, what, what is your tendency? 
Is your, is your tendency to doubt God, is your tendency to say, you know what, God, you've up and left me. Is that your tendency? Would you be willing to concede that when these things uh, take a left turn, when thing that, that maybe, just maybe, God really is with you? Would you be willing to concede that, that maybe God is there right in the middle of it? Let me walk out some of these options, okay? Uh, one option we talked about was there is a God, uh, but he's kind of beep. The God you have tried to reach is temporarily unavailable. Please hang up and make your call again later, okay? There is a divine being, but he really doesn't care. How's that working for you? That, that, when I think of that, I think if that's, if that's God, okay, if there's a God, this divine being, and he or she, it, doesn't care to get involved with the people that they made, we should rebel, shouldn't we? We should throw that joker right off the throne. That's not a God worth being God. That God should be overthrown. And so when I think of that option for me, that clearly doesn't work. That's not the best option. Your nerd pastor's telling you, okay? Then there's the whole Richard Dawkins, well, it's blind, random stuff. You live, you suck when, you die, that's it. Thanks for playing, well, that's like cruel. I mean, I'm sorry, when I stare up the stars and if I think this is it, life itself is one of the cruelest jokes ever foisted on humanity. Why be born if that's all there is? And when things don't turn out, when things are broken, when things aren't working the way they're supposed to, I mean, it really is no hope. Abandon ship, all hands, abandon ship. But what if biblical Christianity is the real deal expression of what's real and true about the universe? Well, then there is a difference. The Lord was with Joseph. When I got turned down from PhD programs, the Lord was with Max. All throughout Jenny's second pregnancy, the Lord was with Max and Jenny Vanderpool. And all throughout my dad's cancer, the Lord was with Mike. And you know what? My dad eventually lost hope that he would win his battle with cancer, but he never lost his hope in God. Never. And you know what? He wasn't a fool or an idiot not to lose hope in God. I'm convinced of all the things that have ever happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most likely event. And you know what? That does change everything. Because if God raised Jesus from the dead... And he, he's promised that any son, adopted son or daughter will also be raised for, from the dead so that death itself really doesn't carry the day. And if death itself can't carry the day, you know what? I can make it through the end of this day. I think Jesus was on to something when he, when he said in that message, you know, tomorrow's trouble enough, guys. I think you probably shouldn't focus on tomorrow. I think you should just worry about today. I think he's right on the money. And when I've had moments in my life that have been hard, challenging, when, when, when life has thrown me curveballs, I set tomorrow and all the days after it aside, and I say to myself, if God's really with me, I think I can get through the end of this day, and that's all I need to. I just need to get to the end of today. And God's with me right here in the middle of it. You know what? I think I can get through today. I think I can do this because God's with me. Here's why this is important. Um, for those of you that are on the fence or you haven't cemented things with God, I think you need that hope. 
You need, to, uh, you need that rebirth. You need to be adopted. And you need to have the kind of hope my dad had, the kind of hope I have. You need that kind of hope in you. Um, and over the next several weeks, we're really going to talk about it because we're going to wade into the gospel. The gospel is simply an English way of saying good news. All right? For those of you that are Christians and you're part of the generation's family and you love Jesus, yes, you do, okay? I want to suggest something to you today. When, when you're in those moments and life isn't working out the way you want it to, the way you had hoped, um, I want you to consider that biblical Christianity is really the best option you got. It's the best possible option of all the options out there. It really is. I mean, are you going to fall back on the, there is, God, there is a God, but he's not involved, doesn't care? Are you Are going to fall back on the, well, we're all going to die anyway, there's, there's no hope, abandon ship? I mean, none of the, the other options give you or give me any reason to hope that anything could be better. Um, so the next time you're disappointed, the next time you're upset, I want you to remember Joseph, okay? Remember Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. And if you're facing a tough time, then just put your name there. But the Lord is with me. The next time you're having a tough time, remember my dad. He didn't lose hope. He didn't lose hope in God. And remember your nerd pastor who's telling you, this is the best option. I've looked. I've kicked the tires. I've read. I am hopeful because Jesus is who he claimed to be. And he's the promise that there's a better someday with a capital S. And that's enough for me, and I can get through today. I'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow.